Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Hi and welcome everyone. Thank you so much for coming in, tuning in week to week, listening to the Greeners podcast. We have a hot topic. We have a hot guest coming on to talk some, to talk about, you know, the state of nursing, not just in where she's from in Saskatchewan, but you know, the state of nursing just in general, because there are problems. There are a lot of problems and we have to try to talk together to find solutions for them. But before I get into any more uh, discussion, I'm going to hand it over to Sarah to introduce our guest today. I am so excited to have a fellow advocate. It's always nice to have a fellow nurse, a fellow advocate who's doing very similar work that we're doing. And without further ado, I'd love to introduce Tracy Zambori, who is a registered nurse and president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses, the union representing Saskatchewan's more than 11,000 registered nurses, registered psychiatric nurses, and nurse practitioners. Tracy's leadership throughout the COVID-19 pandemic has been a source of strength for nurses and frontline workers facing extreme system demands, a touchstone for patients and families seeking advice in the face of the unknown, and a driver of government and health decision-maker accountability. Tracy represents her members as current vice president of the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor and an officer of the National Executive Board of Canadian Federation of Nurses Unions. Tracy lives in her hometown of Staunton, Saskatchewan, with her husband Sam and their dog Danga. She's known in town for her community service, her love of gardening, and baking. Warm welcome to you, Tracy. I'm happy to be here. I think you have done so much. I only read probably half of your bio, but I thought you could just fill in the blanks a bit and tell us a bit more about yourself. Well, my specialty is long-term care. Um, I nursed in Stoughton. We have a 30-bed facility there for about 27 years before I became full-time in the union. Interesting union history, though. For the first 13 years of my career, we were not unionized. And in the late 90s, was there was a huge health uproar when the NDP had to close uh, a, a significant amount of facilities. And management came to me and said, well, we think you better join the union. And I, I'm pretty sure they lived to regret that decision. Uh, and uh, we did join Sun and I was immediately made local president. And I've just, I just fell in love with it. I, my grandmother was a socialist and she raised me with those kinds of, of views about uh, we all work together and about community and all of these, all of those really important things that we uh, 
what hurts one hurts everyone. And if I have something, I share it, you know, and it, the prayer says, you know, that it is uh, give us this day our daily bread. So that is, you know, all about the community. So that's what, you know, I immediately grabbed onto when I got into Sun and I just, you know, kept building my career until in 2010, I became the first vice president in 2013, I became president. So it's, it's been a, a, an incredible ride to get to the seat that I'm in. It sounds like advocacy has been something that's obviously been with you for a very, very long time. So yes, what better place to come and talk about advocacy than being right. here with us today? No, so we're, we're really excited. And honestly, when I met you out in Saskatchewan, I kind of thought you were kind of a badass. So <laughs> tell us maybe a little bit about how you started your journey into advocacy. So you kind of touched on some elements there, but is there anything that really propelled you or a significant moment that, that it was just like, aha, this is why I need to be on this advocacy journey? Well, working in long-term care, you are, and that's what you are. You have to advocate on a daily basis for your patients. And I understood quickly and very clearly that many of them have no voice and I had to be their voice. I had to be their voice with their families. If their families were far away and really not involved, I had to be their voice with the physicians and with the healthcare system and social services or whatever thing would touch their lives. And, and you couldn't take no for an answer. Because that always, you know, in advocacy work, that's always the first answer that we get is, well, no, not, not today. Sorry, I'm busy. All that kind of nonsense that comes your way. And I found out pretty quickly um, that I wasn't the type of person who would take no for an answer. And it, although I did have to take some knocks, I mean, you, it, you cannot uh, continually pound on people. That does not work. Uh, there is a way to understand generosity, curiosity, integrity, and learning those leadership skills along the way. So I, I haven't done it perfectly, but I've, I've uh, been able to learn and uh, watch some pretty dynamic leaders through my career and understood that it is important that I, I learn how to be more collaborative because I used to really get scared that if I didn't keep pushing and pushing and pushing, uh, some people's lives were at, at stake here. And I found out that there is a there is a bit of a better way to do it, a little bit more nuanced way, depending on the situation. I mean, there's times when, particularly as women, we can't we can't step back. We have to keep pushing forward and knocking down whatever barrier is in our way, whatever way we can. And you know, I've learned through the years that there's to recognize when what situation requires what kind of advocacy. I think that's really great. So, I mean, we do learn a lot about advocacy for patients. I feel that a lot of these skills actually translate into advocating for ourselves and advocating for nursing as a profession. And you touched on a, an important point where you're not advocating alone. There's strength in numbers. It's about the team approach. And I think that we need to take that team approach when it comes to advocating for healthcare and the state of healthcare right now. And I know Amy was out in Saskatchewan recently speaking to nurses. We are obviously here in Ontario. I'd love to know a little bit more about the state of healthcare in Saskatchewan and what's happening out there right now. It's the same as Ontario. It's a disaster, just smaller numbers of a disaster, because to put it into context, 
Um, there's just over a million people in the entire province of Saskatchewan. So our largest city is just over 250,000, 300,000 in there in Saskatoon. And I will say that their emergency room at the Royal University Hospital is like a third world country uh, in a war zone. Our members are being asked to do more than any human being should be asked to do. They're putting their careers uh, on the line every day. It's, it's extremely difficult. I don't know if you had time to look at any Twitter, Amy, but you had put out a tweet yesterday about cup half full or cup half empty. And I tweeted back that I felt half empty because again, yesterday I met with a group of nurses from here in Regina and it was just another story of near, it's near tragedy every day. And these are people that are, are finally just relying on each other to try to figure out how to get through their days, how to make sure that their patients are getting the care that they need. And, you know, I've been speaking with a lot of registered nurses over the past, I don't know, about 12 weeks now. And the stories are just, they're just getting worse by the day. And to see too now that we meet with the with the health ministers in Vancouver, present them with research and evidence showing solutions on how we can move forward here to work on this health human resource crisis, because we're not so elitist that it, we know it's not all about us. This is about the entire healthcare system. It's not just about registered nurses. They just couldn't find their way to an agreement. What the hell? I saw that yesterday too. And it's actually quite a shame because I actually had done some consultation with the federal government in relation to some of this work. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it just, it baffles my mind because nursing has been talking about this for such a long period of time. Like it's not getting any better. Like I don't see, and this is the hard part, right? So this is why I put that tweet out talking about whether you feel like the glass is half full or half empty. And I've been feeling like that for quite some time. I, I'm trying not to be nihilistic about it, but it feels like things are just getting worse. We're not hearing those solutions or solution focused types of resources that we might need. And it just feels like things are getting darker and heavier. Like some of the stories, like I'm sure you're hearing them too, Tracy, are devastating. Mm -hmm. I had one of my nursing friends reach out to me and, you know, my passion love is labor and delivery. And that's where I like my most of my nursing practice came from. And I had worked at this organization before and she's telling me, she's like, yeah, you know, um, this is how a normal day looks like, you know, um, labor de deliveries, one-to-one -one care. And she's like, we have three nurses to staff today, three nurses for the entire labor and delivery unit for a large organization too. This is not like even a small hospital. This is a delivery center where they're seeing, you know, anywhere upwards of 5,000 plus births a year. I know how scary that is. I've been there when we have, you know, a C, like, let's say we have an emergency C-section. How many people does that, how many nurses does that take? That will take three nurses, leaving nobody on the unit to watch any of those other patients that might be delivering at that time. How is it that we are okay to let this happen? Managers know that this is happening. Directors know this is happening. Leadership team members know this is happening. But there's this weird disconnect where the public doesn't really have a clear understanding that this is what's happening. And we're trying to message this out to folks. And I know that, you know, here in Ontario, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of the flavor, in terms of, you know, spitting information out. I'll be honest, I think most organizations have no idea what to do with me. I I say what's on my mind. I, I'm, I'm a truth speaker. And I'm going to say that, you know, here are the challenges and here's what's happening in healthcare. But I know that in Saskatchewan, 
that's not the case. Could you maybe touch a little bit on how difficult it is for nursing voice to be heard and and how the public doesn't really fully understand the gravity behind this crisis right now? Well, part of the issue with the public is, is unless they're actually personally touched by it, they're just going on in their lives like it's just a regular old day. That's true. It's happening here too. Right. It isn't until they land up in the emergency room or God forbid now that their child has, you know, gets RSV or COVID and they can't even go and get a simple Tylenol from the drugstore. And then they land up in the emergency room, you know, with the public, that's a, that is a huge situation. We also have a very conservative province that is, they did not embrace the truth around COVID. There was a quite a large contingency that were uh, against the vaccinations, against masking, against the public health protocols, period. And we also had a government that did not listen, not for one second, to the professionals, physicians, registered nurses, epidemiologists, virologists. So it made it extremely difficult to be a practitioner in this province. And it's still uh, very difficult today. I mean, we uh, the government has really not admitted that there is health human resources, particular nursing crisis in this province. Uh, and so they, they came up with a bit of a strategy that they thought might work. And they've hung their hat on internationally educated recruitment, which, yes, it, it's important. We must look offshore. Uh, the Filipino registered nurses that come and work in Saskatchewan, the healthcare system would collapse without them, and no doubt about it. But that is a long-term solution. We don't expect anyone to grace the borders of Saskatchewan before April or May of next year. And out of 700 potential vacancies as of today, the 10th of November, they're, they're thinking maybe 12 people might come. Wow, that is a shame. That is a huge shame. Like, how, how, how can you even say those words and not think, I'm an idiot? How, I can't, oh, how can I, how can I even say this to people? So there's nothing for retention. So nurses of my age, mid to late career, there was nothing in this plan to keep the people who have actually propped up the healthcare system for the last, you know, three years, nothing for that. There is, there was some incentive for brand new graduates or someone coming from away about $50,000. And then they just recycled the whole bunch of different things they'd already done and some new seats. But again, we're looking at, you know, that's four years before there's any. And as for people speaking out, we, as you heard us talk about, Amy, it's very dangerous in Saskatchewan for a registered nurse to speak out. The employer is intimidating, is um, making people feel frightened, and uh, is just bullying. They get quite pissed off when they hear me talk about this, but it's a fact. One nurse that we had who was quite vocal uh, was called in for a coaching session. And uh, the local president, was, who is very astute, said, we'll stop this right here unless you want about, you know, 10 grievances filed right here and now. And, right. you know, their, their skin is as thin as tissue paper. And our members are exhausted. They tell me, you know what, I can't, I can't deal with that shit. I cannot. Uh, it's all I can do to show up for work. And, you know, yeah, you're, you are our spokesperson. You need to speak on our behalf. It was unfortunate. Some, some people don't understand that I have to do the talking for them because they can't and they're afraid to do it. And the last thing we need is uh, a bunch of people going through 
discipline or potential discipline it, it and it not turning out to be anything but the trauma of having to go through that right because sometimes i think you know we as a union we've done very well to try to publicize the issues that are going on in Saskatchewan and healthcare. Reporters got so that they didn't really want to speak with me. They wanted more of the sensationalism of speaking to a frontline nurse. So that would happen, but then that media outlet would leave and it would be us that would have to try to clean up the mess left behind because someone who, with all the best intentions, is speaking out about their situation and the employer isn't having it. So this is why we absolutely caution our members that they should not do that right now. But if they have a story to tell, I can tell it or we can help them write it and tell it the way it needs to be spoken because it's just not worth another layer of stress and trauma on people who have already been so traumatized in the last two years. Wow, that is so unfortunate. Like, I think that any nurse that does speak out, you know, they are always thinking in the back of their mind that they're going to lose their job, they're going to be reported to the college. But to actually have that happen and to have to go through all of that is just unthinkable. Like, I think all the time about how COVID could have been a really good opportunity for nurses to become empowered and to speak out. And if anything, I've seen the opposite happen, where nurses feel even more afraid than they did before to speak out. And and for good reason. Like, I can Uh see through these stories that you shared that it is a very difficult situation to be in. And I read an article recently where you said, our members tell us the system is broken and not sustainable. They are becoming burnt out, anxious and going home crying because they feel someone in the waiting room will have a tragic outcome as they can't provide care. I think there are so many challenges right now for nursing, but what do you see as the biggest challenge and what do you really want the public to know about nursing as it is right now? Well, the biggest challenge is is that we are working in an atmosphere that's untenable, that there isn't enough of us there to actually give safe patient care. The two registered nurses for an entire unit is across Canada. It's a pan-Canadian issue, and it's no different in Saskatchewan. We are working so incredibly short-staffed, and the people that I spoke with yesterday, the members that I spoke with yesterday, nothing is slowing down. They're five people short, but they're expected to continue on giving the treatments, doing the work that them plus those other five nurses that aren't there are supposed to do. There's no admittance by the Saskatchewan Health Authority or the government that we cannot continue at the pace we're going because we don't have enough registered nurses to safely deliver care in XYZ program. But we keep pushing and pushing and acting like there is not a situation that we aren't in a real crisis. And now we see like how how much does the federal government actually take it seriously when we've got when we when we had a golden opportunity last week and we just let it go right down the toilet. We let it go right down the toilet and registered nurses are watching. They see that the people that are supposed to be protecting us, the people that are supposed to be making sure healthcare is safe and that we can function within our scopes of practice in our it, with within our licensure are turning their backs on us. They absolutely did that. They absolutely turned away from us when they had a golden opportunity to work with us and we cuz we're more than willing to to work to go forward with this. And when I talk to my members, they can just get some hope that someone is actually paying attention, that someone is actually going to come and speak to them. They say, you know what, maybe I can keep going. But when they keep getting shit on and shit on and shit on, 
They are not going to continue to do this. And it's coming now from across the country. You could see my face, Tracy. Like I, I'm fucking mad because yeah. this is where we have we have a problem. We have almost like a a crisis within our own profession too. At the end of the day, like they, you're right. They don't give they don't give a shit. They don't give two shits about nurses. They don't. And this is one of the things that infuriates me because we aren't trying to selfishly take this on to try to bring the limelight to us. We that's not even the type of people that nurses are. What we are trying to sound the alarm on is the fact that we keep on seeing patients. We, we're seeing the harm that befalls on patients. We're seeing the devastating effects of someone, you know, getting a late stage cancer diagnosis. We're seeing the devastating effects of knowing that, oh my God, this is, this is how my assessment should go. And I don't have time to actually do this assessment properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So whatever is going to happen is, for that patient is going to go by the wayside. Or the fact that there are critical incidences that are occurring that are absolutely preventable, but we can't do anything because we don't have the human resources or the ability to do it because we just don't have the staffing. And it makes me really mad Uh that nurses out there can't be the ones to say, look at what's happening in our emergency departments. Look at what's happening in our pediatric departments. Like I don't, I I'm sure just as with you out there, our pediatric departments out here are on fire. Oh, definitely. And now we're talking about these, Oh, you know, maybe we should bring back mandatory ma- masking. If you leave it up to human behavior, people are so fucking selfish right now that they did a poll over 70% of people will be willing to go back to having mandatory masking indoors. Great. But the thing is, if we leave it up to people, are they going to do it? No. Nurses are just trying to say, hey, more folks are going to die. We're going to see higher risks of mortality and morbidity. And for whatever reason, I think I have an idea. We're not being listened to. And I don't know what more to do. But to continue to sound the alarm bell on my end to say, okay, if we don't do anything, this is what we're going to continue to see. And I'm, and I'm not trying to fear monger, but we have to put the emphasis on patients. Because like I said, they don't give a shit about us. We could be drowning out there, Tracy and Sarah. We could be having one nurse on a unit and they're still not going to close the unit. They'll keep everything open. And we could be drowning and they're like, oh, you know, they'll just they'll just keep coping. They, they don't complain really, you know, whatever. Don't worry about them. But if it comes, if it befalls a patient or a family member and they're mm-hmm. like, this is what happened to my loved one. Now everyone's ear, everyone's listening. We have to continue when we're having these conversations, pointing it to the fact that this is about patient safety and patient health care outcomes, because that's what the government cares about. That's what our leaders and administrators care about. They don't care if we leave the hospital and we blow our brains out. They don't care. And that's the that's a very sad and unfortunate reality. But they don't care what happens to us. Do you guys think they care what happens to us? No, but they will care if a patient dies in the emergency department not receiving care and the family makes a big deal about it. It shouldn't be like that, but that's how the system works. So again, feeling this half-empty glass, how do we move how do we how do we make these changes how do we urge our governments to continue to have these conversations i mean sarah and i are going to be in ottawa and i guess that we need to make some noise when we're out in ottawa to be like hey pm mr trudeau what are we doing here because i feel like it's only going to continue to get worse what we hear and it's you know 
finger pointing back and forth and all of that, like the federal government's going to say, well, we can't tell the provinces what to do with the money. There's all this bullshit back and forth. The provinces say, we want the money and we don't want you to tell us what to do with it. The federal government is saying, but we have to tell you what to do with it because we don't want it to go somewhere else. And then the whole thing just goes away. But I do think, though, that we're starting, we need to start at a different place. And we've come to realize this. We have to start with ourselves. We have to start inside of our own selves, inside of our organizations, mm-hmm. and, and start having these conversations. We we met as a federation of labor yesterday and had a really good conversation about how we can start thinking about things in light of the QP Ontario situation, which, you know, was an eye-opener for all of us, uh, you know, if we mm-hmm. sort of want to just veer off into labor and all that kind of thing for a minute, because it's, it, it's extremely complicated for um, the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses to do anything outside of legislation. Absolutely next to impossible in Saskatchewan. But there's so many steps to do before that. And it is having that face-to-face conversation that I've been having for the last 12 weeks with members from all over the province. It is the conversation that we start. we have to start having so people our members, our registered nurses in this province can feel supported, that someone's actually listening and gives a shit, and that we're going to do what we can if we need to course correct um, as your union, we're going to do that. And let's figure out what we can do together to make things better. Because we often hear, oh, you know, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that's right, there isn't. We have to make the light. We are the light. We can be the light and we just have to keep pushing and kicking. It's a, you know, a old Bruce Coburn song. You got to, you know, kick at the dark till it bleeds daylight. As cheesy as that is, it is a fact. And and I think the days of us sitting back and uh, being quiet are are becoming in very short supply. Um, I mean, we, we are professionals at, at the very heart of what we do, and it is about patient safety. But I do know that our tether is getting very short, and there is uh, going to be an appetite for people to start speaking out in a much louder way, because we just can't continue this on. And it is the feminist side in me wonders that if you know this is a if there was a different gender involved here would it would it be would the would the treatment be you know the patting us on the head and giving us our moments with them so that we feel appeased and then just walking away and saying oh well you know let's throw the hands up and couldn't do a thing about it couldn't do a thing mm-hmm. about it well i i think those days are are going to come to a close and uh, there's going to be some eye opening that's going to have to happen so yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, we're getting to a point where you're right, kind of, we can't continue being nice. And I, I do think there's a gendered element. I think that, again, when we're talking about systems of oppression, nursing is a part of that system of oppression. We're a part of that hierarchy. We're a part of that power and balance within the hospital system. And we are not used to being seen in this type of position where we are having to say, okay, you know what, we feel that our right, we're not being heard. And again, I think it's also some internal work that, like you said, Tracy, that needs to be done. We need to have conversations with ourselves to say, okay, um, this might make me uncomfortable, but who am I doing this for at the end of the day? It's for myself. It's for my profession. It's for patient safety and patient health care outcomes. And then also just who are the doors that I need to knock on? Who are the emails that, who are the people, the emails that I need to send? Who are the the politicians and the folks that I need to continue to bother. And, you know, I think that 
it's that piece of activism that we need to start seeing because you know i get it too i get a lot of nurses saying at the end of the shift i'm tired i understand that you're tired but activism doesn't necessarily have to look like you standing in front of the politician's door and banging on it it could be through sending an email it could be through sending messages all the time like there's got to be different ways that nurses can mobilize their voice in a way that for them feel safe and then too that they feel is okay and acceptable so one of the things that i'd like to ask you um tracy before we go is mm-hmm. are there ma- little things little tangible things that we can tell nurses in saskatchewan nurses across canada what they can start to do to feel empowered because a lot of us are feeling like the glass is half empty but what little things do you think that we can start with to seeing some change in terms of the situation because we're feeling a little bit hopeless well, I think the first things that I would ask people to do is if you work in a unionized environment, connect with your local, connect with your local structure, connect with your union and start seeing what it is, what, what advocacy they're up to and where you can play a part in that in your workplace, because your union is there to make sure that your workplace is workable. And, you know, we, you know, that it's all about solidarity, working together, coming together in community, and there's, you're never alone. And I think through this last two years, you know, people can feel so alone. But you know, if you if you look around to your colleagues, look to your union, your professional associations, you know, in your work life, that's a good place to go in your personal life. And what you can do in your community or to try to get support there whatever your family looks like, it can look, whatever it looks like. I know that they, that there's someone that you're connected to uh, a person, um, a family member, a community, start telling them what's going on and say, you know what, I need you to do this one thing for me tomorrow. When you get up, pick up your phone and phone the member of the legislative assembly and tell them what I'm going through and what's happening in healthcare in our community. You, you know, get people in your circles to do this for you. Start placing those phone calls. You don't have to do it, but I'm, I'm fairly certain most everybody probably had a barbecue or a family gathering or, or even a phone call with a loved one, a friend, a colleague. Those are the, that's one little easy thing that you can do is say, I need you to do me a favor because we're not very good at asking for favors or asking for help. We have to start ask, we have to start asking for that help from our communities that we live in every day because I know in Saskatchewan and Ontario will be no different. Every single community from coast to coast to coast to coast to coast to coast has a registered nurse in it. Might not yeah. work in that community, but they live there. And those communities, we need to be calling on those communities to say, you know what? We're in trouble and we need your help. And this is what we need you to do for us. And that's a very easy, non-threatening thing that we can do. And play the love card if you have to. If you love me, if I really do mean something to you, <laughs> this is what I need you to do for me. And yeah. I can tell you that in, in small increments, it's working in Saskatchewan. I've heard from a number of MLAs and the health minister himself that they are hearing from an increasing amount of registered nurses in the province and their families. And I said, well... We're sending them your way because what's happening is is not good and you're the one who can make it different. Thank you so much. And I think those are such really small, tangible things. And I think you're right. Speaking to your family members, speaking to your loved ones, your friends about the what what's happening in healthcare, 
is still advocacy. That's huge because then they will spread the message. I had this person tell me this and this is what's happening. And the message continues to get spread. I think that's a perfect example and a perfect way that we continue to spread our message. And I, and I do want to bring that last point where you mentioned about QB Ontario. We saw a groundswell here. It shook the government to their friggin' core. I'm telling you, I remember watching when Doug Ford came back on to the television after the one, one day of them striking and he looked fucking scared. I'm telling you, there is power in collectivity. There's power in the unions. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, it it was this close that a general strike was going to happen. And I still think it can potentially happen. And I think that we need to see that there is strength within our unions. We need to mobilize together because what I saw here on last week on Monday, it scared the holy hell out of our government. And the thing is, at the end of the day, we, the people, is what makes them have the power. And if we give all our power away to them, then we have nothing. We retain that power. We use it as a collective. And we say, this is what we want to see. And that's what I saw here on Monday. And my God, if we could just take a, a little lesson from that and to say that, you know, when nurses stand together, we'll see that strength. I believe one day it will happen. I know I do it too. will happen. I do too. And I think that we will, we will really make people recognize the power, the strength, the grit, the compassion and empathy that nurses have for our communities. And it's coming. I believe it, Tracy. I believe it's going to happen. I do too. And when the Royal College of Nursing in London can take a strike vote, the first one in 100 years, because they are nurses are having to go to food banks. Yes. Okay. I think we've hit, we're, we're hitting a, a time when people are going to have to start standing up and taking notice. And I too believe Amy that we, it's going to take the collective of registered nurses, all the whole nursing family across the country to stand together. And, and I believe we will do it. We can do it. But I think uh, uh, really something that I need to say before we go is that to be able to do all of this, we have to look after ourselves first, though. We have to make sure that we're healthy, that we are healthy mentally and physically. You know, one thing, too, that I, I, that I learned that actually shocked me, and I don't shock easy anymore, uh, speaking with uh, registered nurses, and part of why they are hanging on with their fingernails and, and trying not to give up, is because they don't want people to think they can't be a nurse. And I was stunned by that, that they are so afraid to show that vulnerability that I, I can't do this anymore because they felt that people around them, whether it's the employer, the government, or their family, were going to think that they weren't, they weren't a good nurse. That is that we have to absolutely stomp that out. To show vulnerability is to show leadership. That's leadership. 100%. And to to say, I can't do this anymore. And showing that vulnerability is one of the most amazing things that someone can do for themselves and for the people around them. There's no shame in saying, I can't do this anymore. It does not make you less of a nurse. In fact, it makes you more of a nurse. Because to push yourself to the point of collapse physically and mentally, potentially having a a terrible outcome at your workplace, there's no pride in that. No. But there's no shame in saying, I cannot do this anymore. And I think we need to start talking to each other and to ourselves 
the importance of vulnerability, of, of being generous and kind to yourself. Because uh, we're not very good at that as nurses. No. And we've reached a tipping point where we have to be. And when we see it in each other, instead of the, you know, some of the peer-to-peer nonsense I'm hearing, we need to embrace each other, hold each other up. And, you know, when we do that together as a collective, united, we cannot be defeated. And that is a fact. I agree with you, Tracy. I think that is such an important message because I've, I've said this time and time again, if, if you don't look after yourself, then there's, there's no one else that, that can, that can fulfill those roles of you as an individual, as a mother, as, as a friend, as a sibling, no one else can fill that gap. So it's so super important Uh for you to take care of yourself. And I know that, you know, as we are in this type of profession where we're caring for others, the most important thing is for us to care for ourselves as well. And to take that time, I think being vulnerable and saying, I need to take a step back is actually that's self-actualization. That's you realizing that you need to take that extra time. And there is no shame in saying that you need help or support or getting additional help or support through mental health services Mm -hmm. or whatnot, whatever that you might need. So yes, please. If, if you're struggling as a nurse out there or struggling as a healthcare provider out there, please, please take the time to look at after yourself. I think mental health has been the undercurrent that we haven't really fulfilled, haven't really fully talked about over the last three years. And it is definitely one of the most important aspects to making sure that we can continue to look after patients and families. If you can't look after yourself, then you definitely won't be able to look after anybody else. So please take the time to make sure you look after yourself. Thank you so much for coming on, Tracy. Oh, this was absolutely fabulous. I've loved every second of it. We're going to have to do this more. Uh, yeah. The Prairie <laughs> this is Edition. Nursing Podcast, I was yes. just about to say. Yes, the Gritty Nurse Prairie Edition. I'm up for absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm telling you. <laughs>